Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about nature. Could you please tell me, what is nature from the spiritual perspective? There are multiple ways that you could regard nature from the spiritual perspective, but one one way to look at it is nature is a spirit of love incarnated in the physical third dimensional reality. In in your particular case, because we're talking about a three dimensional planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it is also a dynamic force. Um, It is one of the governing energetic laws um, of life uh, on this planet. It is the one of the laws of this matrix, or you can think of it as a book of rules of how energy needs to be transformed in 3D from one aspect of physicality to the next. Nature is really a cycle, an ever-present cycle of life and death that is a cycle that is quite permanent, right? So pretty much nature is energy that moves that cycle of life and death around, co-creating as it goes and transmuting and transforming energy from one physical aspect to the other. So you can think of it as... So think of it as one of the facets of the matrix. Yeah. Only matrix is a very intellectual concept, right? So in the same way that you as humans have the mental body and the emotional body, this planet has the mental matrix that moves it around and nature would be the emotional component of this planet. It would be like one of the planetary bodies in the physical. So that's why it is corresponding to the heart center, which is your center of emotion and feeling. So that would be like one way to regard nature. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like a very broad thing, right? So I'm just trying to understand what what does it consist of because when I looked at the nature, I see rivers, I see trees, I see wind, right? What well, what does it consist of? Molecules and atoms. Yeah. I mean, do you mean how broad is nature? Yes. And for example, does nature equal Earth? Or Gaia? It does not. It does not. 
Mm-hmm. So Gaia is an equivalent of a soul or a spirit, right? That is undergoing its evolutionary process. One of the steps in that evolutionary process is it being incarnate as the embodiment, the spiritual embodiment of this planet, or rather Gaia donates and extends its energy to power and fuel planet Earth. Nature, though, is a little bit different. So in all different worlds of physicality, imagine that there are like millions of planets like Earth. Uh, A lot of them would have something that people would refer to as nature in its different, different facets and different formats. So it is like a layer that makes the world come alive. Uh, this layer is generally charged by the creatures that um, create each planet, right? So a lot of emotion goes into creating nature, but it's also, it almost doesn't, it doesn't have identity because it's bigger than that. So imagine a well of nature and there might be 3,000 or 3 million planets and all of them tap into the same well in order to birth life into the physicality of the matrix. If nature didn't exist, the matrix would be a very intellectual endeavor where thought would be the only creative force. Nature is a layer on top of the lifeless, almost, matrix that makes it come alive and its creative power is feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's technically, it's not a spirit and it's not a soul that powers nature, but it is a network of souls that all contribute their own personal energy and feelings and experiences to what we can call the well of nature. Because there's like one receptacle where all of that energy goes in the universe. So there are, you can think of them as angels, probably would be an appropriate way to describe. But um, from my perspective, these are younger souls that show a lot of process and they're evolutionary um, stance, right? So once a soul reaches a particular level of its development, you would refer to it as an angel. Um, so angels generally are creatures that are responsible for creating physical worlds uh, because they're still lower enough dimensionally that they could perceive what is quote-unquote good and what is bad. There's a network of what you would refer to as angels, millions of souls that each donate a portion of their own energy into a well and this like a well of energy or a receptacle of energy, right? And each of them brings their own facet of what they think is good and great. And when physical worlds like planet Earth are birthed, one of the intrinsic qualities of these worlds is that they have something, they they basically need to have the emotion in them because otherwise, although there are worlds that don't, but those are very single dimensional worlds, right? Imagine if you guys, as, as a species, you only have the intellect and you didn't have feelings you wouldn't be as complex of an organism. So a lot of most planets that angels co-create have both the mind and the heart. So nature in this aspect would be their heart. So their energy of feeling, that is what nature is. Now nature 
as that well and that receptacle that is really the collective aspect, right, of light, you can think of it. Um, it transcends planets, it transcends galaxies, it transcends worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, Gaia is the spirit that keeps this planet alive and keeps this planet going. So planet Earth is going to evolve in accordance with Gaia and nature would be the backbone of that evolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard that like some people call it mother nature. Yes. Um, why, why so? Well, it is really simple. So in the same way that you would always divide energy into masculine and feminine, the energy of the heart is always feminine. The energy of the feeling is always perceived as feminine, hence the mother. Mm-hmm. The energy of the intellect is always perceived masculine, hence the father. So when the matrix... Um, comes together or like your world comes together the intellect and the heart come together the mother and the father come together so in referring to nature as mother nature you're really acknowledging its formative aspects and um, its power as a feminine type energy and feminine type entity Mm. and uh, does it does it have um, like its own consciousness Absolutely. But it is a collective consciousness. Uh So it is the collective consciousness of all the angels that I was referring to. So imagine a trillion angels that all gave a droplet of their energy into this great well. So the consciousness of the well is going to be the combined energy of this one trillion angels. And then uh, because the universe is in the stage of expansion there are always new angels that join their forces and there is always you know all the time there are angels that contribute new energies into the same well so not only does it have consciousness but it is an ever-evolving consciousness Mm -hmm. got it so but for example like animals yes are they part of the nature absolutely everything from rocks to elements right um, air, water, earth, sky, to, you know, pretty much all chemical elements separately, including all the structures that they form, right? Mm-hmm. So animals, plants, uh, planets, you know, that is also nature. It's just like, you know, very large galactic bodies. It is very hard for you to perceive that as nature, but it is. And so everything that makes up the physicality of your world that is not made by a human would be called and considered nature. Oh, but a human. Yes. At the moment, yes. Uh-huh, got it. And um, in this case, what role does the, does the nature play in people's lives? You mean today or what was the original intention uh it would be great to learn about both maybe the original intention first and what we have right now sure so the original intention of nature was to connect humanity to that light energy um so the nature is a very high vibrational it's 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 a very high vibrating frequency right the frequency of nature because angels actually contribute, you know, very light energies to it. Um, but, you know, it takes physical form. 
on this planet. So being connected to nature actually means being connected to the higher aspect of your own self and the collective consciousness. So nature was always supposed to be this doorway into your personal evolution in the 3D world. What I mean by that is nature is one of the keys to enlightenment in within a 3D world. There are other keys, but nature is certainly one. And, you know, the, so basically one of the best purposes for nature is to help humanity evolve and be a partner to humanity in that evolution. It is a tool to maintain high vibrations in third dimensional worlds that can get pretty low vibrational, actually. This is a tool for humanity to get into alignment with their purpose and who they are and their greater good and their greater happiness. It is also, you know, in its lower aspects, uh, is a way for a human being to sustain life, to sustain themselves, right? And pretty much when you're asking me, you know, what is the purpose of nature right now? That is what it has been reduced to is nature as a means of sustaining humanity in terms of being a food source and the source of all the other things that humanity creates such as you know housing and shelter and you know all types of products that humanity produces so the relationship between human human beings and nature was always supposed to be that of a symbiosis or a collaboration if you will one and the other were supposed to be on the same level. You know, they are, they complete each other uh, in more ways than one. And what that relationship has been reduced to, or should I say distorted um, into, is the relationship of that of a parasite. So humanity very much operates like a parasite on the, faith of, on the face of uh, nature. So it acts as if nature was always meant to be a subordinate and human or humanity was always supposed to be the master, which is actually not the, not the case. And so it is a relationship that is very disbalanced right now and, and thus it is not a relationship that serves humanity or planet Earth. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, but does it mean that people used to have this connection before yes uh-huh and uh, they came close they came close at one point yes uh, and what what did happen so this is not an easy question to answer because anytime before something happens to humanity, the collective consciousness of humanity needs to make a decision that this is what they want. Let's just say that there were some humans that perceived the evolutionary process with nature to be simplistic and not... Challenging enough? Yes, but also humanity was shown technology by extraterrestrials. And so humanity and, and, and humans that were living in accordance with nature 
you know, that was basically one of the paths that humanity could have taken. By the way, when humanity co-creates with nature, a lot of natural abilities get unlocked for humanity, right? So one way to travel uh, to outer space and to visit all of these remote galaxies for humanity is actually to go deeper inside of nature and uncover their abilities the likes of they never imagined that they had but it happened so that there were other forces that came to planet um, connected to the belt of Orion and they came with technology and what they were preaching was that it was actually a very uh, simplistic lifestyle to be connected to nature but not only that and you know they were their their point was that humanity was never going to reach um its full potential if they kept co-creating with nature and thus you know being very connected to the heart and that is what some perceive actually the fall of humanity and the fall of humanity really was humanity betraying their own heart betraying nature in the process and connecting with the mind so being and selecting mind as that supreme ruler instead of selecting the path where mind and heart could coexist and again a lot of that was through extraterrestrial influence Mm -hmm. and so enough humans decided that that is a much more desirable slash interesting path for them to travel on and when you know when that critical mass is reached the course of the future changes Hmm. got it so you said that now people behave as a parasite right in relation to nature in relation to nature Mm -hmm. yeah and um so but you answered my question about the role that nature plays in people's lives uh but is there like a particular role for people in the nature's existence so humans were always supposed to complete the puzzle these worlds the worlds that higher beings are building for humanity to be able to evolve and by higher beings in this particular case I don't even mean extraterrestrials I actually mean um, light beings Mm -hmm. so angels, archangels, things like that so when they build these worlds they build them for souls to come down and evolve right and souls you know obviously they can come as even in 3D world you know a soul could incarnate as a mineral or a crystal soul could incarnate as a um, as a plant, but of course the pinnacle of that is soul incarnating as a human, right? So if you think about it, all of these worlds were built for souls to actually finally reemerge as humans on these planets. So humans thus really complete the cycle. Um, not only that, but they're kind of like the crown jewel of creation. They've always been the crown jewel. So whereas everything else on planet Earth that is of nature, and by the way, people are also of nature. That's why they have physical third-dimensional bodies. 
while everything else can create, so like, or rather they come into an ecosystem, right? So the, a rock or a crystal would come into an ecosystem more so to perceive and to exchange energy, but they don't necessarily shift the ecosystem. Neither do plants shift the ecosystem. That is not their purpose. Their purpose is more so to observe. And then they, you know, different plants have other purposes as well, as far as like giving and taking energy, right? That, that energetic exchange. But a lot of it is about observing. Um, for humans, the purpose has always been creating, right? So the reason humanity is a crown jewel of everything nature has ever created is the fact that they when in alignment could add meaning to everything around them could add purpose to everything around them but could also manifest things into existence that quite literally did not exist before they can impact energy in a way that makes the whole so much better for each of the parts so when humans are in alignment they make the ecosystem better not worse for everybody which is not what's happening today at all in fact humanity is making everything worse and not better they're making the diversity less not more that has never been the purpose of humans hmm. yeah that's sad and uh, is it possible for you to describe this period of time when people had this connection like how did it look like what i'm trying to understand it it's like if we live in this world where people have this connection how would it look like well i'm not i cannot give you the answer because the answer always lies in the collective human consciousness and a world where humanity and nature are joined at the hip and connected could look a million different ways, mm -hmm. depending on who is creating and what is being created, what kind of energies are drawn forth. Got right? it. That's why it's really hard to look in the future. But what about the past? Like, yeah. is it possible to look at the past? So people lived what you would call in nature. Right. So they had a lot more simple lives. They, you know, had a lot, a lot simpler houses and shelters. Right. Um, at the same time, they could hear and perceive what was communicated to them by different aspects of nature. Like there is a reason why you have heard, right, that the pagans, for instance, had deities that were connected to different aspects of nature, like the god of thunder and the god of the sun, etc., etc., is because it is actually a memory from the times of humanity where humanity could easily communicate with different aspects of nature. And from that standpoint, because the sun is fundamentally way bigger than a human, because thunder is perceived by humanity as you know a force outside of their control, yet it had a voice. Um, that humans could hear and perceive. It had an energy that human beings could interact with. You know, those, those memories got retained by humanity as these things having a soul and thus being gods. 
It is actually a memory from the time when humans could communicate and could perceive, you know, all different aspects around them as, as having the spirit and as, as having a personality and as having a will of their own, which they do, by the way. This was also the time when, you know, humans were enough so in alignment that they could call certain things into existence. For instance, if, they cro if their crops needed rain, they could call rain into existence through a ritual, right? Um, generally, you know, depending on the strength of a person, that's why that's why you have shamans, you know, if one person held enough alignment, because all it takes is really one aligned person, you know, to start to start that communication flow. Generally, the most aligned were the shamans. And then the shamans alone, you know, like, if they were left in the field, for instance, depending on the strength of a shaman, a shaman could bring forth the rain in as as little as 15 minutes from like clear skies. And, you know, the maybe the shaman that's just getting started, sometimes it would need like days to bring forth the rain, right? And so that's as you grow your personal power, you would be able to call certain things into existence faster. Um, for villages where Actually, so like that, that, those were the old times. As people started getting a little bit away from nature, then they needed large groups of people with many people calling uh, to get the rain or like to get the sun to shine or whatever else they were trying to bring forth, whatever uh, meteorological event, right? Whatever natural event. And they started gathering in groups and circles. And, you know, especially the shamanic cultures, like they the Indians or the shamanic cultures of um, like Peru, they still remember, like they have a lot of memories, ancestral memories of those times. So it used to be that like one person was able to do that. Then as alignment became uh, less pronounced, you needed large groups of people. And then what ended up happening is like you, humanity got out of alignment completely. So the only thing that was left was the ritual only didn't work anymore right mm -hmm. and that is how humanity really lost the connection to nature and that was replaced by one almighty god is because by the time that was happening most humanity lost connection to these elements enough so that they stopped being real for them because they stopped communicating back you know so what el what else was when you asked me like what what did that look like so mm -hmm. full alignment with nature meant that everything in nature was a brother or a sister to every human, right? So that was also the time where humans did not kill uh, anything in nature. You wouldn't kill, like you wouldn't eat animals or fish or any of that. You wouldn't, uh, humanity didn't consume animal protein. Because every time you kill something, that is not a very brotherly act. Right. So you, in the same way that you wouldn't kill your brother right now, or if you do, I guess you go to jail, right? It's not considered normal for one human to kill their brother or their sister, uh, or even to kill somebody of like any other human, right? In the same way, it was completely considered barbaric and just out of, just insane, outright insane, if you were to take a life of a living animal. Because humans have always known that animals are actually really, really close to them on a genetic level. 
An animal is just like one step prior to a human. Homo sapiens is an animal. Yeah. So it's not okay to kill your brother. So because there was no history of humanity killing their brothers, by default, there was alignment between them, right? So animals would be prone to helping humans in whatever endeavor the animals could help with, you know, such as, you know, bringing food could be one, helping build a house could be the other, you know, things like that. Um, or, you know, if the animal is dead, then sometimes the human would take the skin or something that they needed, but like only after the animal is dead. And the same thing, like the relationship that uh, humans had with plants, for instance, was very, very different. You wouldn't just take, take, take. You would also give, right? It would be like in an energetic exchange and you would give gratitude and you would give attention to everything that was bearing fruit for you, to every tree that was bearing fruit, every plant that was feeding you. There was this inherent understanding that in the cycle of life, plants are meant to feed humans, but humans are meant to take care of plants, cherish them, understand them, and give back energetically, right? Mm -hmm. So that energetic exchange was a very normal thing. Yeah yeah it sounds very beautiful uh but it seems like people are not going in this direction uh, <laughs> and uh is it um like what would be the benefit of a modern person to have this connection because people live in cities now they have everything they need right do they <laughs> do they and do what they? Do, what do they miss well depression and anxiety levels have never been this high in the history of humanity the level of disease has never been this high in the history of humanity the pandemic pandemic of being tired has never been this high in um in the history of humanity there are more people that are lost unhappy upset sad and fearful than ever before in the history of humanity so at face value humanity is not lacking anything you have the food in the stores you're all sheltered you know you know you're not dying by being struck by lightning which is what could have happened if you lived in the wilderness you know you're not being the majority of you don't die from by be, being eaten by a crocodile or being stung by uh, a venomous snake, right? So at face value, you guys have it all. You're consuming on a daily basis all the things that are good and bad for you from alcohol to television to social media. And yet humanity has never been unhappy. So isn't it time to start asking why in this sea of visual abundance humanity has never been as unhappy so there is a complete lack of correlation between the things that you're being shown and and that are being propagated to you as equaling abundance and how you actually feel inside right so but what are the 
maybe what are the consequences of this disconnection and uh, well you already are seeing the consequence right so the consequence Depression. of choosing and this is exactly where humanity a big chunk of people that's where exactly where you guys want to go so ai right is the future uh at least the default future one of the default futures of this planet ai is an even bigger step towards the presence of intellect and the absence of feeling right so the future the default future of humanity is the supremacy of the brain the supremacy of intellect the supremacy of science which actually means the absolute absence of magic because magic is on the other side of the spectrum from science mm -hmm. that's interesting um okay but what would be the benefit for a human to establish this connection in the modern world getting your center back getting your happiness back getting your purpose back one of the benefits of connecting to nature is when you reach your maturity right um when an adolescent becomes an adult in the old days and i mean really old days you would go into nature for some time depending on who you are it might take you longer or shorter but this would be your personal communion with nature where you would go alone actually right to, into mother nature with not a lot they did people didn't take much with them it was like between them and the mother and then you would come back knowing what your purpose is exactly why you came into this incarnation which is more than 99 of humanity can say today humans are completely disconnected from their purpose the big most fundamental question questions of who am i and why am i here remain unanswered to 99 of humanity and that is a big percent that's why they're lost and they act you know from a position of being blind and blindfolded so the reason that we don't talk a lot about incarnation right but if there was such a thing as sansara which is this endless circle of going back into the same exact shoes that complete cycle of reincarnation that you cannot get out of you might live through billion lives but if you're not learning your lesson if you're not in touch with what your true purpose is and why you specifically came you would have to step in the same shoes over and over and over again so actually from the soul perspective it is a massive waste of time to keep continuing on the same cycle the one way that humanity can get out of the cycle is connect within connect through nature technology unfortunately is not going to get you there in fact arguably it gets you further away from that one of like those answering those two questions yeah when a cyborg 
which is the future, a very likely future for humanity, it's actually a lot harder to try to understand what your purpose is. Most people are, are even going to stop asking this fundamental question. So the evolution for those beings is going to be a thousand times slower. And by the way, it's already not quick. Hmm. So while going with the intellect is a very valid way to grow a world or to evolve as a planet, it is also a little bit of a dead end. Generally, with technocratic societies, what you see is you see a massive loop and it really, truly does feel like a loop because however long that takes, and that could be 200,000 years or 500,000 years, what ends up happening is it is a loop that generally helps humans regain their humanity and takes them back to square zero. And that square zero is going back to nature. Hmm. So it is this unnecessary loop that humanity is going to take because truly evolution does not lie in perfecting one aspect or one facet of you. It lies in trying to integrate. And the one way to integrate on this planet is by going through nature and towards nature as opposed to going away from it. That is the quickest way to evolve as a planet and as a species. Hmm. But it seems like that a lot of people, um, maybe most of the people, they don't see like how you can connect with the nature and live in the technological society. Let's just say that that is not even a consideration. All right. People yes. who are the ones that we can call them the awakened ones or the crazy ones, right? In the in the eyes of the public, the ones that choose to go to nature, kind of like the hippie generation, if you will. They're not perceived as smart no. necessarily or accomplished or successful or any of the things that you're being sold as an ideal for society, right? Right. So they're a little bit of, you know, that outcast mentality. So let's just start with the fact that Living in nature for humanity is not a very welcome proposition. In fact, it sounds very dull and unexciting. It sounds like going back to prehistoric times where, you know, people didn't have electricity or the internet or, you know, basic things to sustain themselves. It's actually not a very interesting proposition to humanity of today. The reason being is because they completely don't understand what's in it for them. They completely don't understand that going back to nature, a, a, by the way, it doesn't have to be so scary as you guys imagine it. You can keep the internet if you want to, right? You can keep your cake and eat it too. That's the beauty of going back to nature because you get to create whatever future you want. It, and it, going to nature doesn't mean going backwards in time. It doesn't mean the lack of progress. It's actually the presence of progress. Because when you go back to nature and reconnect with your green center, I mean truly reconnect, you know, the heart center, which vibrates at the frequency of every living organism other than human. Can you imagine that? Hmm. Every other organism in nature vibrates at the green. And you guys don't. 
you vibrate at lower chakras. So going to nature, filling that center up with green, what does that make possible? Green, quite literally, is the bridge between your lower chakras and your higher chakras. What's possible with higher chakras? That, what you call magic, is in the higher chakras, not in the lower chakras. So you can be cyborgs or you can be mages. Can and it you, is up to you. Can you be both? No. It, it, it sounds like you choose either technology or nature. You cannot be both, but you can be technologically savvy mages. Hmm. Which is actually a very, very different proposition. A mage, a magician, magic always implies the heart right the energy of the heart the energy of emotion because the energy of emotion is also the energy of manifestation you cannot manifest without emotion it's impossible right there is a whole lot of ma magic to be unlocked and to be untapped for humanity today this magic can be untapped within two human generations that's all it's going to take just two human generations i want you to get how little that is yeah it's very little but what about the preparation the preparation is not easy given where the total vibrations of humanity are today yeah it sounds like uh like 300 years of preparation and then two generations to completely change it doesn't have course. to be 300 years the beauty of this is that all it takes is a few people walking the walk and mm. then showing the rest what's possible because humanity doesn't think magic is possible for them they think magic is for movies yeah yeah is it possible right now in our vibrations in our 3d let's just say it it is possible for very few but it is possible yes by the way your definition of magic is very silly also so some, oh yeah some I'm things not talking that, about fireballs <laughs> yeah no not even that but like you know things that you would consider magical would are, are actually just laws of nature in action you know so it doesn't take much given w <laughs> that human abilities right now are in their all-time low it doesn't make mu it doesn't take much to impress you guys oh can like, you give us a doesn't. couple of examples of the magic that is possible right now on this planet for this multiple people the magic of the elements is like one very very quick way to start mm -hmm. um, the magic of connecting and hearing animals and like that true communication with animals where you can tell them what to do telepathically the magic of telepathic communication like imagine i don't know i'm trying to uh, think of like what you would think is cool um i don't know like imagine being able to command certain species of animals to behave the way you want them to behave like imagine you're in the zoo and there are 10 monkeys on the tree and you can just have them hop off the tree all in the same second. Like 
something like that you would perceive as magic, but all it is is actually a human taking its rightful place in completing the crown of nature. Mm-hmm. Seeing, perceiving the species that it's looking at. And then in communicating with them, sending them a signal that they would understand. Something like that you would consider magic. Mm. What about healing water? The magic of healing water. Right now, there are humans that could create water that would heal any disease within a human. Anything. And would do so very, very quickly. Three days. That is the magic of the element of water. Mm. And uh, talking about Jesus seems like he also was able to perform some of this magic, right? Yes. Uh, is it because he had this connection with nature? Because his chakras were in alignment. With the nature? Uh, in alignment. <laughs> uh, in alignment in general? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. When chakras are in alignment for a human, they start vibrating at the same frequency that nature is vibrating, which means at the heart center, because your heart, again, is a bridge, right? So when you're in complete alignment, your frequency is green. Mm -hmm. Um, From that place, you can do incredible things according to your perception, such as walk on water or turn something like you know, one liquid into the other liquid, which is your proverbial turn water into wine. Yeah. Mm, Got it. Okay, so going back to the preparation, you said it only takes like a couple of people to showing that it exists. Yes. Well, what happens after? Is it like a chain reaction? Like, how does it work? Well, and wha- well, what did you mean? The like reason there is a chain reaction. So, so the reason there is a chain reaction is when one of you truly discovers magic and is able to quote unquote show and prove it to others, right? people start, they, they want to learn. Um, they want to learn. And so generally those people uh, establish schools, right? So they teach others. So that is how that knowledge uh, is going to start being dispersed and transferred. Um, there are some that you could consider quite magical. Wim Hof, for instance, is a, is a big example of that like first wave of humans that is actually connecting to their own power through nature, right? Mm. And his ability to withstand cold and right. how originally and initially it actually feels like magic. Truly. I mean, very, very early forms of magic, of like being able to not get cold when it's really freezing outside. Some mm. of the other things that he does. But it is very much part of the same movement. Now, look, he's teaching so many people, right? And like, again, like this is just like one thousandth of what's possible, right? So the people that are going to come after him are going to be able to do much more impressive, quote unquote, things. And then there would be others that look at that and and, and want to learn. There's always seekers. Because humanity is so lost, you guys are actually in a constant discovery mode. So the problem is a lot of the things that are put in front of you are getting you deeper into slumber and deeper into sleep as opposed to into the awakened state, with few exceptions. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, so 
my next question is about basically like the connection with nature how do you connect with the nature if you feel the calling the calling from the nature yes so first things first there is a lot of human karma uh oh there is a lot of karma rather between human anybody in the human species and nature as it stands today as a descendant you know of your family line as a representative of homo sapiens you by default are tarnished by that karma right so you might actually be very evolved and very high vibration but this doesn't mean that your matrix structure does not contain the karma of your ancestors and the karma of your brothers and sisters that are living in this world with you right alongside you step number one to healing your relationship with nature and i would use healing as the right word here as the only applicable word is to own all the ways that you and your ancestors have wronged nature have abused it have betrayed it have polluted it have taken it for granted all of the generations of your ancestors that have been asleep and in the action and in the act of being asleep they mistreated and misused nature as something that you know and didn't recognize nature as something that was supposed to be their equal supposed to be their greatest ally and instead they used it as a slave so step one to reconnecting with nature is actually owning all the ways that you personally have wronged it your ancestors have wronged it taking responsibility and asking for forgiveness truly because nature cannot like in this genetic exchange right before you can be magical you need to get that magic from somewhere so that energy needs to come to you but it's not going to come to you if you represent the oppressor am i making myself clear yeah yeah very clear right so you might be or what you think to be like oh i'm perfect yeah but what about your ancestors also you're not perfect but no nobody is not mm. really so owning that and making a commitment from your heart center to from now on fixing the wrongs as much as you possibly can at least in your own life and for your family tree and then taking action on it that does mean you have to stop eating animals you know that does mean that you have to start giving gratitude for your sustenance so that 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 you know first things first is really have a conversation with nature and 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 the conversation of asking for forgiveness do you have to be in the nature or yes you you probably cannot do it from your apartment in new york you cannot in general you cannot establish a connection with nature from any other place than nature that right. is the definition of insanity you cannot so if you seek to reestablish that connection think of nature as a friend as a person 
Imagine you had the biggest fight and you wronged somebody. Would you try to ask them for forgiveness over a text message? No, you would try to meet up. So that's what you would try to do here. Meet up. Uh, Very often, if you truly are serious about it, actually, it would help to go to the place where you were born, somewhere in nature close to the place where you were born, because uh, unless your family kept moving, you know, your personal karma is connected to a very particular spot on planet Earth, maybe multiple spots, but like your ancestors, ancestral karma is in a particular spot. Or for instance, if your mom and dad are from very two different places, I recommend visiting both and like asking for forgiveness then. And then what you want to do is you want to hear and you want to listen. You want to listen. Nature always responds to requests that are heartfelt. It always responds to the alignment in your heart chakra. So it will respond to you. You will have immense clarity that you were heard. What you can say is, please, if you hear me and if you forgive me and if you're, you know, willing to work with me and would allow me to have a relationship with you, give me a sign. And then you want to wait for the sign. And if you're in nature, there could be many signs. You know, you could have a butterfly all of a sudden come and sit on your, you know, on your shoulder that could be a sign from nature or you could feel like if you're if you're next to the ocean or the river that the flow of the river has shifted slightly and it's almost like its waves are going right to you or caressing your feet in a very interesting way so like there are so many ways that nature could give you a sign like if she heard you you would always get the sign back from her right second step is you know not just like accidentally and periodically and sporadically visiting nature, but actually moving closer to nature. So if you truly wish to untap that which is hidden and that which is available to humanity, it is really advisable to live surrounded by nature. And we don't have to talk extreme cases, like you don't actually need to live in the forest, but there needs to be a source of unlimited natural power right next to you. So there are many sources a mountain is a very stable source of natural energy any type of body of water a pond a lake not a pond more of a lake a lake a river an ocean a sea um a forest also you know a lot of trees so like any of those would be really really helpful helpful but you want to be surrounded by something that has that keeps transmitting that frequency on a consistent basis right so like a park in the city is not going to work it's not helpful and we can go into why that is but um it's it's just not going to help like even the central park even like a big one correct Mm -hmm. truly does not help you connect to nature There are too many energies, both below the ground, above the ground, on top of the park, that surround it, that completely mess up the ecosystem. Mm. So the ecosystem of Central Park is is a broken ecosystem. Uh, It's out of harmony, actually. And nature 
always is in harmony. So no city park, a town park, is going to be able to get you close to nature. It is like a bad imitation. You know how you're like, when you're in the zoo, you're not really in the wilderness. Right. Right. So you really are, even if you are able to look at the bird of prey or like a, a wild cat, it's not the same thing as watching them in nature. And you cannot truly connect to them when they're in the zoo. So the park in the heart of the city is kind of the same thing. It's not, it's, it's, it's close, you know, but it's, it's not the harmonious act of nature. Because if you think about it, nature grows and does whatever it wants to do. The park is a man-made landscape. That means that it's the creator is a human. If the creator is a human, that means that it allows certain things to grow and disallows other things to grow. That means nature is not in charge. By the way, nature is never random. If it wants to grow a particular bush or tree, it wants to grow a particular bush or tree. It doesn't need that thing to be trimmed. There is a reason why that thing was, you know, was trying to be birthed. But of course, in your city parks, you ha- what you have is asphalt. Do you think nature would have preferred to have asphalt in there or something else? The answer is something else. So it is actually trapped nature is what you have in your parks. Mm. And trapped nature, in the same way that the animal that's trapped in the zoo, does not transmute the pure harmony energetically it's actually not really a good vibration for humans it's like exactly what it what i just said the energy of trapped heart if anything it's a sad energy yeah now is. is that more alive than than your concrete buildings absolutely you can bet your life on it is it close enough to what you need to be if you want to reconnect back to nature no so going back to what you need to do right so try to move back closer to nature or a body of water or a forest or a mountain chain because you would need that constant element or entity to keep you in in alignment right you're gonna have to bring certain rituals back into your everyday life Um, I actually recommend the opening ritual in the morning and the closing ritual at night. The opening ritual in the morning is what we can think of as a hello ritual. And it is important, you know, first thing in the morning as you wake up, you you grab your first glass of water and you take a walk. Five minute walk in nature, ideally barefoot and without any coverings on your head. So you want to make sure that you're connected to the sun and the earth, right? So it's your morning ritual. You want to greet, you know, everything that you see in nature. If you see a little bug or you see a butterfly or see a bird, you want to say hello, right? So that is your greeting ritual in the morning. And then in the evening, what you want to do is you want to reconnect back to nature. And you can do it outside or you can do it inside. It doesn't really matter. But it would be a gratitude ritual at night where you're, you want to send gratitude to everything in nature that helped you live that day fully. So it could be all the plants that sustained you. It could be the sun they gave you warmth. It could be the rain 
that nurtured your crops in whichever way that nature helped you that day you want to bring that gratitude to the core crux and to the center of your evening ritual slash meditation right you want to start to try to align your circadian rhythms right so waking up with the sun going to bed as the sun goes down right you want to align and realign to the seasons as much as is possible now for a lot of you it's going to be real complicated with your nine to five jobs that don't really presume that you're going to um have to adapt to winter versus summer mentality right uh you want to change your and, and what you eat also based on what's in season the fruit and the um the plants that nurture you the most are the ones that are in season so always and, and right now it's really hard because when you live in the cities sometimes you have things year-round because that's how you're able to grow things these days right but what's most nurturing to you are the things that are in season right so there's a season for everything um so there are certain produce that you know is best for you that's in season in july so you have to have as much of it as possible in july versus other things that are september october so try to align yourself to the natural rhythms of nature and by nature i don't just mean planet earth i also mean the moon right the cycles of the moon very important right like growing moon versus uh receding moon uh full moon versus new moon like those things matter I mean, there's there's so much more that we could could keep going, but um, you know, I would start there. Um, growing your food is also very very important. Even if you don't grow a hundred percent of your own food, start with growing twenty percent of your food. Um, it's actually very important in you know whatever house that you end up buying or you know the little farm. It's actually very important to have trees that bear fruit. Uh, the beauty of trees that bear fruit is that you trees hold on to energy like nobody's business. They're really, really powerful energy collectors, if you will. So the beauty of a tree is that it is alive for multiple generations. And so what you want to do is you want to charge that tree, you know, with your own energy. And you want to ask that tree to support your family tree, no pun intended, with as much love and as much light as it has, as much life force as it has. So as you grow that tree, right, you start eating fruits from that tree, whether that's pears, apples, plums, doesn't really matter, apricots. Ideally, you would grow multiple different trees so there's something in it for everybody. And then you want, when you're raising your children, you want them to start connecting to the tree when they're babies, right? Um, and then you want them to eat from the same tree. And actually, the more generations that tend to the same tree, the more powerful the fruit of that tree becomes to that familial lineage. So you want to make sure that your family estate has a lot of trees because you're able to sustain them forever as opposed to some other things, you know, um, that you, you can't really pass on to your children. Passing the tree to them is actually really important. There is one more thing that I think I would want to mention. When you're trying to heal a relationship, and that's actually really, really very important, very fundamental. 
um, there is a lot of fear right now. Fear is one of the domineering frequencies of the relationship between humanity and nature. It's actually, it goes both ways. So before you can heal that relationship, you're going to have to assist in raising the frequency of that fear and turning into turning that frequency into something else. So I'll explain. Some of the greatest phobias of humanity are connected to nature, whether it's floods, whether it's uh, earthquakes, whether it's spiders, whether it's snakes, scorpios, things like that. So humanity has been conditioned to be feared and scared and just be worried about nature. And I know that you've been told that from the evolutionary perspective, there are so many things that could eat you in nature. So you had to protect yourself and protect yourself. You did. You build these big houses with a lot of fences and you built skyscrapers and you built cities and you built all these other things and then you cut down all these trees and you killed out all the the populations of animals etc etc all the things all the meanwhile trying to protect yourself so that you wouldn't have to face any of these things so you wouldn't have to fear them on the receiving end of nature there is the same amount of fear. Because imagine, so like imagine of nature, imagine nature as a collective consciousness that has everything from earth to rivers to plants to animals. And imagine the relationship of each of these objects to humanity. And imagine there was this pristine landscape and then a human entered. And nature, by the way, has long memory. In the same way that your ancestors have long memory, and human collective consciousness, nature has a long memory. So if you're an animal, you're really afraid of humans. Because you know what? They've killed you. They've domesticated you and then killed you. They eradicate your habitat, so you have nothing to eat. They come bearing guns. They're not safe. If you're a river, it's humans are not safe. You're afraid of humans because they dump their, you know, ugly byproducts of their manufacturing into you. They're, they're, you get all kinds of plastic that suffocates you. You know, all kinds of nastiness. They get to you. But then they still come like bearing and asking and asking and grabbing more things from you, right? Despite kind of like spitting in your face all the time, they still come to you for water. So it's, it's like a position of slavery, you know, birds, plants, like how much habitat, natural habitat of plants have humans eradicated? How many trees have they cut down for paper and furniture, etc.? So the same amount of fear that humanity has towards nature, nature has towards humanity. And in fact, in the game, because nature operates in harmony, so it's not actually nature's way to hurt you. 
but it is a defense mechanism. So the fact that you're being shaken up by earthquakes and flooded and beaten by like mosquitoes that, you know, give you lethal diseases and ticks and everything else, that's actually nature protecting itself. It's a protective mechanism, you guys. In a position and in a place and on a planet with alignment, no human being would ever be harmed by anything in nature. And so I encourage you as a next step to examine your relationship with all the things in nature that you're scared of subliminally, uh, subconsciously or consciously. Write down all the things that you're scared of in nature and understand that these are not your fears. There's absolutely nothing in there to be afraid of because every single thing that you have been brought up to be scared of is a learned mechanism. Nobody is born in and of themselves being scared of anything in nature because it's your mother. But of course, you are used to having a very dysfunctional relationships with your mothers. So you're assuming that the same level of dysfunctional relationship is going to be transcended to nature, which it doesn't. So as soon as you remove fear, you start getting more aligned to who you truly are and to your mother nature. As soon as you remove fear, you become noticeable to things and objects in nature, but you also become likable to them. And remember, it's not their intention to hurt you because they live in harmony. They only hurt when you're threatened, when they're threatened, sorry. So if you stop carrying the energy of destruction and threat alongside with you, there is nothing in nature that would harm you. A tiger wouldn't eat you. A crocodile wouldn't bite off your arm. Insects are gonna stop biting you when you're in alignment. But before that can happen, you have to let go of generations, hundreds of thousands of years of learned fear. Because fear always separates you from something. It's a good old divide and conquer. But love brings you together. So filling your heart with green emerald energy of love and taking nature as a part of yourself is a first step to realigning with it and down the road to becoming a magical species. Hmm. That's beautiful. Um, I have one question before we finish this session. Um, so let's say you do this healing process, but after that, how should your life look like? Because it's really hard to live in the city or even like live in a village, right? Or in your own house and like not to pollute the environment. For example, you drive a car, you fly an airplane or like you buy some food in the plastic wrap like how can you heal your relationship and then at the same time sit in the car and drive and pollute knowing that you are 
like hurting the environment and the nature? Yes, that's a great question. So it took generations upon generations upon generations upon generations to get to where we are today. Meaning, it was a compounding effect of thousands of human generations that have been polluting, abusing, enslaving nature. The shift of your relationship with nature is instant and it comes through a declaration of doing better and a promise to do better in the future. Like everything in, thir- in the third dimensional reality, even best intentions take some time to manifest. So if enough people come to this realization and take a pledge to actually doing better by mother nature, one of the things that's going to get manifested, manifested are all the tools that you need to stop polluting it. The electric cars, the electric planes, down the road, planes fueled by human energy. You're not going to have to tap into anything but your own energy down the road. You know, biodegradable things and compostable things in terms of your packaging instead of harmful plastic that pollutes and suffocates rivers. All of those things are going to get manifested. Unfortunately, it is unrealistic to expect that you can unwind thousands of years of pollution overnight as one human because you can't. It is, though, being as mindful as you can, diminishing your use of single-use plastic as much as you can, driving an electric car as you can. So doing things as best as you can given the circumstance while also committing to changing this world together. And over time, like I said, it's only going to take a couple of generations, you will discover and uncover new things that are actually healthy for nature. The most important thing is nature does not need you to be perfect. It just needs you to finally face it and say hello. Because it knows how valuable that relationship is when you and nature get joined together. So it wants to heal that relationship. It wants to help you get rid of that karma. Because it knows that what's next is beautiful. So no, you don't have to be perfect. And you don't have to be an outcast that only eats, you know, <laughs> nuts and berries that you find in in the forest like it it's not it's not a world it doesn't have to be a world of extremes you just have to do the best that you can do given the resources that you have and keep asking yourself how can i make this world a better place how can i be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem and collectively humanity would manifest new types of uh materials that are a lot more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing this amazing information with us. And I think it's going to be just the start of a series of conversations about nature and how we can reconnect with nature. Now I'm going to end our session and I'm very grateful for the information you provided us today. I'm asking the higher self to resume to where it belongs, 
with much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been given Maria today. I know she's really going to appreciate it. Now I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely.